Tom Bernard Show with Mike Molina, Andy Brand Bernard, Tevin Pittman. And we'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Is it any wonder Talking to Catherine out in uh, back in her office. Isn't it amazing that people like Tesla, uh, Westinghouse, basically set out to ruin him, even though they used his patented uh, technology and well, he did theory. do a lot of ruining his own life. Why? What did he do? Well, giving away patents. And Why? thereby going broke because he he went broke because he gave away. His one source of income out of charity. Well, but that was a good thing. Why didn't anybody step up and go, hey, you know what? This is a great guy. Why don't we help him out? Well, that's what the hotel did. But, I mean, still, you can't really do that much for someone who gives away all their stuff. I don't know. I still think it would be nice if people like, well, that Casa Loma guy, the guy in Canada that owned pretty much the electric company flat out, some congressman or senator or something, I don't know what the hell they're called up in Canada, but decided he didn't like him, so he ruined him. I mean, why, why would you do that to another human being? I don't understand that. Henry Pellot, Pellet, something like that. Pellot? 
he brought hydroelectricity to, to Toronto. He lived at Casa lived Loma. In Casa Loma, yeah. Yep. Um, and what happened to His him? His name is Henry Pallot. Pallot, yeah. Uh, some local alderman or congressman or senator or whatever mm. decided he didn't like him and he just set out to ruin him. Mm. And he did ruin him. The guy, he ended up dying broke too. Oh, here we go. Yeah, well, through legislative process and by whipping up anti-rich sentiment, which is not difficult, Yeah. Uh, he was successfully appropriated Pilot's life work and took his electric companies from him. Isn't that unbelievable? And yeah. then he led, to a, led a populist revolt to raise taxes on his castle. That's literally what's going on right now. Literally what's going on. That's exactly right. People are being incited to protest and they're raising everyone's taxes because we hate the rich even though they pay for everything i love the fact that the, that the people uh are all for free speech unless i don't agree with your speech then i don't think you should have free yeah. speech that just amazes me that that's going on in the world right now particularly in america uh, as long as you agree with me i believe in free speech but if you disagree with me you should not be allowed to speak right. what i mean how could you be that stupid to think that's a good idea I mean, that's just flat-out ignorance and stupidity. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, 100%. People don't, yeah, they think free speech is, like, or they want free speech until the opposing side speaks up and then yeah. they like, well, maybe mm-hmm. I didn't want, like what you had to say to begin It's with. just amazing to me. It, it amazes me that people can be that dim-witted to see that what you're saying is idiotic. It just is. I think this, but if you think something different, you should be shut down. Well, that's not what you just said. You just said we should all have free speech. What happened to that? A 64-year-old Wisconsin man has eaten 30,000 Big Mac, uh, his 30,000th Big Mac, and not only has uh, lived to tell a tale, but claims low cholesterol and perfect blood pressure. As the Fond du Lac uh, reporter reports, Don Gorski ate his first Big Mac in 1972 at the same McDonald's where he chowed down his 30,000th. He's only missed about eight days in between. That includes a 1982 day in which a snowstorm shut down the restaurant as well as the day his mom died in 1998. She requested I not eat a Big Mac on the day she died in remembrance of her, he said. Gorski says he has OCD. No. <laughs> yeah, Are really. you sure you have obsessive compulsive disorder? You eat the same exact thing every day for the past, uh, what, 46 years? 1972, uh, so yeah. <laughs> for the past 46 years, you've eaten the same thing every day. That would be a little OCD, just yeah. a little. Wouldn't you just bite into one and go, you know, I, they're not great, today. Yeah, not yeah. today. I know, how do you eat something for that long and not get know. sick of it? I have no idea how you don't get sick of it. Gorski says he has OCD, which has led him to catalog thousands of recipes, wrappers, and containers over the course of more than four decades. He does not appear to be suffering for his cause. Ellen DeGeneres had his cholesterol checked in 2003, came up with 140. He's run a marathon with Big Mac, uh, number 21,387 in hand. He ran a marathon while eating a Big Mac. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, after consuming number 30,000, he took one for the road. Maybe I'll be eating it when I catch myself on the news. Who knows? He says he keeps six of them in his freezer in case there's ever a snowstorm again and McDonald's shuts down. Oh, my gosh. He just, he, he's OCD, those, and he'll eat Big Mac, and that's it. Those can't be good. 
pulled out of the freezer. No, no. I wouldn't Those. think so. I've had a Big Mac, well, not a Big Mac, but, you know, a fast food burger out of a fridge after, like, two hours, and it's already disgusting yeah. by then. It gets all soggy and just, no. But so, frozen and then thawed, yeah. <laughs> That's, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, not, none for me, thanks. Andy, uh, don't lose that story to the right there, the Nazi shadow story, because I want to get to that after I read the one you have up, up now. Roughly a month ago, an Indiana man's husky lawn tractor was impounded. The reason? Barry Ridge of Franklin was arrested on April 8th in a Kroger parking lot while allegedly driving it drunk. Police say it wasn't a one-time occurrence. The Indianapolis Star reports the 46-year-old. That guy's only 46? Mm. Holy God, he looks like he's about 76. Well, being that kind of an alcoholic will do that to you. Glug, glug, is that what you're saying? Uh, the Indianapolis Star reports the 46-year-old was pulled over after 5 p.m. Saturday while riding atop a red mower. Police had been called by a local re- resident who said Ridge had started mowing their lawn. <laughs> I'm going to let him finish before calling <laughs> yeah. the police. Why just let him finish mowing your lawn? What do you care? I, can ima- I can't imagine he was doing the best yeah, job. Yeah. yeah, probably not. The Indy Channel reports the man uh, told Ridge to exit his property. Police who located Ridge driving the mower down County Road 100 North reportedly noted glassy eyes and had him take a breathalyzer, which registered a BAC of .189. Ridge uh, allegedly said he'd consumed three beers an hour. Not three beers. No. Three beer, no, three beers an hour before. You're right. For yeah. How many hours? Yeah. Doesn't say. Yeah, really. Three <laughs> beers an hour prior and you have a BAC of 1.9. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, drinking. .19. I don't think so. Sorry. That's... Uh, what is it now? It's .08? Yes. Yeah. So that's two and a half times higher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they're really big beers, probably. Yeah, yeah they yeah. must have been 55. Well, I remember seeing that on Cops one time. <laughs> cop pulls a guy who would go, what are you pulling me over for? <laughs> and the cop goes, because I think you've been drinking and driving, sir. Well, I have been drinking, but I only had one beer. And the cop says to him, must have come in a 55-gallon drum. <laughs> Must have been Romanian. <laughs> it probably was Romanian. Well, over there, it's uh, .20. Yeah, it's .20, yeah. <laughs> you can drive to, un, up to .20. Can you even walk it? I know. Is it Romania or Hungary or one of those Baltic It's around countries? there, yeah. It is it's, indeed. And then in, in Scandinavia, if you're caught drinking and driving, they, like, execute you and disembowel <laughs> you. Yeah. And, uh, Scandinavia's really weird about a lot of things. Yeah, they don't like that at all. Well, that one woman... What, she's a 22-year-old billionaire? Oh, yeah, my future wife. Yeah. Your future wife, right, exactly. She was nailed uh, drinking and driving. Didn't they fine her like $2 million or something? (laughs) It was unbelievable. Ridd said he allegedly had consumed three beers an hour prior. The mower uh, was impounded like the first time, and he was arrested on a preliminary charge of OUI operating while intoxicated. The star notes, uh, Ridge has yet to stand trial for the April incident. So he's going to have two trials coming up. <laughs> so that's good. What is the Nazi shadow behind the world's youngest billionaires? What is that story all about? I, I have not even seen this story before. Uh, their grandfather was said to be Nazi Germany's richest man after building a weapons empire on the backs of slave labor. Their father was involved in one of uh, post-war Germany's Biggest political scandals, he almost frittered away the family fortune. Enough remained for Victoria Katarina Flick and twin brother Carl Friedrich Flick to lay claim at 19 to, the, to being the world's youngest billionaires. 
Each of them has $1.8 billion. Well, if Dad almost frittered away the family fortune, how is there $3.6 billion left? Yeah, that uh, must have started as a pretty big fortune yeah, I if guess he so. I frittered it away. Behind the riches, uh, discreetly managed by their family office in, in Austria, lies a dark history of one of Germany's wealthiest industrial dynasties. The Flick's wealth traces to its roots uh, traces its roots to Frederick Flick, who spent three years in prison after he was convicted by the Nuremberg War Crimes Tribunal of using slave labor to produce armaments for the Nazis, among other crimes. He created a steel empire. Uh, which expanded by seizing companies in Nazi-occupied territories and in Germany throughout Aryanizations, the expropriation uh, for sale of Jewish-owned businesses. As many as 40,000 laborers have died working for Flick Company. 40,000 people have died working for you? Holy God. Uh, According to a study of his Nazi-era businesses published in 2008, Flick was uh, released from prison in 1950 after the U.S. High Commissioner for Germany granted controversial pardons to German industrialists. The U.S. and U.K. returned his money and business properties, including one Aryanized asset. He sold his coal businesses and invested the proceeds in numerous companies, including Daimler-Benz AG, eventually becoming the carmaker's biggest shareholder. Leaving aside all the moral standards, Frederick Flick had the genius ability to become the richest person in Germany twice, said Thomas Ramg, author of The Flicks, A Family History. Other German business dynasties whose fortunes uh, partly stem from the Nazi era, such as the Quants and the Etkers, and even some Flick family members have made some form of restitution for using slave labor. Frederick Flick and his youngest son, who became the sole owner of the conglomerate, never did a thing to help anyone. That is, 40,000 people died working for him. Frederick Karl Flick sold the businesses uh, to Deutsche Bank AG for 5.36 billion Deutschmarks, which is about $2.17 billion in 1985 at the height of the scandal. After that, he withdrew from public life. Almost a decade later, Flick moved to Austria, home of his third wife, Ingrid Rager, uh, 32 years his junior, they met while she was working as a hotel receptionist at a ski resort. He died in 2006 when Victoria Katarina and Carl Frederick, her younger brother by a minute, were seven years old. He retreated to a safe mix of stocks, bonds, real estate, and whatnot, Ramge said uh, in an interview, although uh, there was still plenty to leave the twins and his two other daughters. When Flick died, he left behind $1 billion for each child, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. Today, the twins' fortune is overseen by the Flick Private Schiftung of Vienna and Velden um, I'm not saying all these German words. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I refuse to do it. I'll sound like some Nazi myself. It's not going to happen. It's, can you imagine that, though? All of a sudden you're 19 years old and somebody gives you $1.8 billion. Mm. I probably would quit my job. Oh, absolutely. Probably. Hey, listen, Tom, you got to get up at 4 tomorrow. No, I don't. No, I'm good to go. Yeah, once you have that much money, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. I never heard of that, though. 40,000 people dying working for your industrial uh, setup. I never, I never even heard of this flick. Can you, be, can you imagine being a recruiter for this company? I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, imagine that. Hey, don't worry about it. You're probably going to die, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, just you're worried about things that you don't need to worry about. Right. Calm down. Everything dental will be fine. insurance. Yeah, yeah, you get I free die, dental. But you get free dental. That'll be a good thing. 
the Nazi shadow behind the world's youngest billionaires. That is, what a story that is. I've never seen that story. Had you ever heard of that before? No. No. And it's all off of slave labor. Now, who were the slaves in Germany at the time? Jews. Were they Jews? Uh, well, I don't know. Does it say, Andy, who, who the Jews were that, I mean, what? Because it could have been like the Slavic peoples. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Just I think it's just basically anyone. No, God, it says here, I wouldn't. Oh, Joe must have been listening to the morning show this morning. It says, you, if, you, if I had $1.8 billion, I wouldn't have to worry about my GoFundMe page. Because I made an announcement this morning on the show that if all the people in, in the state of Minnesota that can't stand me would get together a GoFundMe page and get it up high enough that I'd retire. But I haven't heard a thing. I'll say that's not a bad strategy. I know. There should be plenty of them want to kick yeah. it a million bucks a piece, I would think. <laughs> Everybody wins. You get to retire and yeah, get and they, money and they don't have to listen to you. And they don't have to listen to a word I say anymore. It would be perfect. You wouldn't even, I mean, you wouldn't even hear about it on the street. Just walking by by accident, you wouldn't even pick up on it. So go fund me. Get it going. Tom's out. You could call it that. <laughs> Tom's out. And uh, if you would all kick in a million apiece, I'd appreciate it. That'd be good. Be well worth it. If you give money to a GoFundMe page, can you write that off? I don't think so. It's a donation. I don't don't think it qualifies. Damn it. (laughs) That's going to make things tougher. We'll be right back. I want to talk a little bit about this uh, Saturday Night Live bit with Trump and Stormy Daniels coming up next Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well... I received my first MyPillow, and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Your love give me such a thrill, but your love don't pay my bills. I need more. That's what I want. That's what I want. Everybody in their money hunt. It's like, oh God. The most famously hushed woman currently in America opened her mouth and yelled live from New York. It's Saturday night. Saturday Night Live trotted out Stormy Daniels as part of a star-studded cold opening. This woman is a stripper and a hooker, and now all of a sudden she's a star? Hollywood has done their best to catapult her to national fame. It's just amazing. 
Uh, okay, well, part of a star said cold opening poking fun at President Trump's current woes. What woes? I don't, I the really woes don't understand. that people like Saturday Night Live are causing by guess, constantly know, accusing him of stuff. Whatever works. Who cares? Uh, again, I'm not a Trump supporter in any way, shape, or form, but your people's obsession with him, seriously, you need to really examine this. Yeah, it's a sickness, the it way really they think is. about him. It's like, good God, would you calm down? Um, par, uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Reports Rolling Stone with Ben Stiller reprising his role as lawyer Michael Cohen. The sketch then romps through appearances by Alec Baldwin as Trump. Martin Short, Scarlett Johansson, and Jimmy Fallon before ending with Daniels and Baldwin talking. We'll always have Shark Week. I solved North and South Korea, but can I solve us, he asks. Sorry, Donald, it's too late for that. I know you don't believe in climate change, but a storm's a-coming, baby. No, it's not. Oh, my God. What can she possibly do to him? Uh, I don't think literally anything. There's nothing. She's already supposedly, like, spilled all the details. Yeah. And, you know... Everyone knows it's fake. It's pretty obvious. Well, is it, I mean, honestly, God, you go back to, to when I was a little kid. You had Dwight D. Eisenhower banging one of his nurses during World War II, and then after the war ended, you had uh, JFK banging everybody in sight, including Marilyn Monroe. Uh, supposedly, Nancy Reagan, Reagan was stooping uh, Frank Sinatra at the White House uh, closet or something. I mean, they've, these people have always done this stuff. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not defending Donald Trump. I'm just saying, what's new about this story? Yeah, there's... I don't know. Yeah, I just don't... There's nothing new here. That's what they do. Well, apparently, Rudy Giuliani has news on a possible Trump uh, plea. Is that true? I oh, he needs a shot. Doubt it. Rudy? Yes. Yeah, oh. Rudy loves to talk. I, just... I met him a couple of times. What a prick. He's just arrogant as hell. Rudy Giuliani got America's attention Sunday by saying he couldn't deny that President Trump may plead the fifth if he testifies in the Russian probe. ABC News reports, are you confident the president will not take the fifth in this case? Asked George Stephanopoulos on this week. Uh, per a transcript, Trump's top attorney retorted, how can I ever be confident of that when I'm facing a situation with the president and all the other lawyers are, in which every lawyer in America thinks he would be a fool to testify? I've got a client who wants to testify. Please don't, he said it yesterday. I hope we get a chance to tell him uh, the risk that he's taking so he may testify, among other nuggets. I, I, I don't, once again, I thought they said there was nothing there in the Russian probe. Yeah, they already did this and found nothing. And they found nothing, so why, so we're not letting that go either? Nope. They never will. I, I just, uh, honest to God. And they also repeat it until the average person thinks it's true, and then their mission will be complete. And as Joe from Louisville points out so adroitly, but he wasn't banging, uh, he wasn't, uh, it says, but Trump wasn't president when he was pounding Stormy. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so that's a difference there, I guess. I don't know. I, I just, as long as, once again, as long as you disagree with me, I hate you and I will do anything to destroy you. Why do you want to live your life like that? How do you go to sleep at night if that's how you live your life? Right. Wanting to destroy other people. Why? It's such a waste of energy. Like, Seems like how it, does it, it. How do you get gratification out of trying to tear somebody else down certainly don't understand 
uh, on Stormy Daniels. Now that's pretty. I I think she she kind of god. If I were her lawyer, I'd be very upset. Fame and fortune let me make money. How is she damaged? She's become rich as a result of this. The hundred thirty thousand dollars doesn't mean anything. Boy, I wish that was my case. Yeah, for real. On her hundred and thirty thousand dollar payment, our NDA with her seems to be irrelevant because she wants to uh, break it up because she wants to make a lot more money than $130,000. I never thought $130,000. I know this sounds funny to people that are at home. I never thought $130,000 was a real payment. It's a nuisance payment. When I settle this, when it was real or uh, or a real possibility, it's a couple million dollars, not $130,000. I suppose that's true. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I just... On reimbursing former attorney Michael Cohen, that, you know, may be a little bit of a dispute. This is more a rumor than it is anything else. Stephanopoulos, but that's what you said. You said that to BuzzFeed Giuliani. Then said, but here's the, but here's the, well, yes, I mean that that's one of the possibilities and one of the rumors. The reality is Stephanopoulos then said, you've stated it as fact, Giuliani. Well, maybe I did, but I, I right now I'm at a point where I'm learning and I can only... I can't prove that. I can just say it's rumor. Why doesn't Rudy Giuliani just shut up and go away? Seriously. Why did he all of a sudden get his... Did, did Trump reach out to him to represent him? I believe so, yeah. Why would you do that? Uh, good question. I mean, if you ever met Rudy Giuliani once, and I only did because I ran into him a couple times down at the Breakers down in Florida, and then, you know, he, well, he put it, let me put it this way. He's friends of friends of mine, but he's not really their friend, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just, if he can get somebody, something out of somebody, then all of a sudden he's your buddy. He's right. one of those kind of people. On Trump initially denying the stormy payments, Stephanopoulos, it's okay to lie to the press. Giuliani, gee, I don't know you. You know a few presidents who did that. I don't think that this president has done that. But in any event, that's not the crime. The crime is that it was a campaign contribution, not a campaign contribution. What? what? The crime is no. You read it wrong. The crime is was it was, a, a, campaign, was it a campaign contribution? And then he's not a com- campaign contribution. Uh, yeah, whatever. He just said it weird. Why would it be a ca- campaign yeah, really. contribution? It doesn't even make but sense. But he took the money from campaign contributions and gave it to her. Well, he's a billionaire. Why would he have to do that? That makes no sense. And again, I, I feel like I'm, I'm defending the president, and I'm not even defending him. I'm just pointing out how nuts you people are. Good God. There's nothing to defend here. You people are just obsessed with this thing. Yeah. Was it that bad, do you think, at the beginning of the Obama administration? Were people no. that obsessed? Not that no. I remember. No, no, not even. Yeah, this is the worst, I think, that Hollywood and the press have ever been. Yeah, I guess so. I, I just, I don't know. Why don't you just calm down? All of you take a deep breath, calm down. Everything will be fine. Don't worry about it. Ooh, this is not good. Authorities say a Massachusetts gas station worker doused himself with gasoline, set himself on fire, and ran, but was then tackled by a police officer who extinguished the flames. The Essex District Attorney's Office says the unidentified 24-year-old man was at a Newberry gas station where he worked Saturday afternoon when he set himself afire, per the AP. The police officer who responded initially tried to put the fire out with an extinguisher, but the man ran away. Prosecutors say the officer managed to tackle him to the ground and extinguish the flames. The man is in critical condition at a Boston hospital. 
The officer has been released from the hospital. Is expected to be okay. Doesn't say uh, the percentages of burns across his body. Well, critical condition isn't good. No. Usually, it's your age plus percentage of burns, isn't it? And when you add, if they add up to more than a hundred, you're dead. Although, oh, is that how it works? That's what they kind of look at it. Although we had a guy on last what week or two ago. Yeah, he like was. That. He had like ninety six percent or something. Ninety six percent burns all over his body, and he was in his thirties. Yeah. and he lived. But what, so if you were like eighty years old and yeah, twenty percent of your body burned, would you die? Probably. At least you'd be looking for the sweet release right. of death. Right. Something. And this guy that set himself on fire, I'm guessing it was a suicide attempt? Or was he like high? It sounds like it. It sounds like it was a suicide yeah. attempt. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, what his problem was. He probably, Who knows? Who knows? To set oh, it's yourself a score on, of over 140, not 100. I thought it was It's 140? Uh-huh. 100, over 140 is considered unsurvivable. So, so basically, mm-hmm. if you're 61 years old and you get burned over 80% of your body, you're not going to live. That sounds but right yeah, to that me. Makes sense. That would make a lot of sense. You're absolutely right. A heated debate on the merits of more or less uh, sentence spacing may have been put to rest. A study was found that two spaces are better than one between sentences. I don't understand this. I've always typed two spaces, or, yeah, two spaces after a period. That's what a lot of people have said to me today. That, that people, that they, they've always used two spaces after, uh, apparently really? you're supposed to use two spaces after a comma, but not after a period. No, the opposite. It's one the space opposite? after a comma, two after a period. Oh, really? Yeah. I've always been a one space kind of person. Yeah. Most people write one space. Yeah. I don't know where I picked up two spaces, but. They say it's it's easier to read. So somebody th- must have told you at some point in your life that mm-hmm. it would be wish, easier for people to read. I wish I would have known that back in yeah. like high school when we had to type a four-page <laughs> yeah. paper or whatever. Like, oh, two spaces? Two uh-huh. space, 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 That's space. an additional, like, yeah. hundred characters or so. I thought you said two spaces behind every letter. Yeah. Well, I just remember what people would try and get away with, though, whether oh, it's high yeah. school or college. Like, on their introductory page, it'd be... <laughs> Halfway yep. down, really? Oh, well, it's like, do they think it... the teacher sees that and like doesn't get what they're doing? It yeah. doesn't like. Oh, it, w- it was an art. We had like yeah. the certain the font. Margins. The you font could, you could do yeah. is like Comic Sans, which was just yeah. naturally bigger than <laughs> Times New Roman. And <laughs> you could custom the margins though. Two people yep. would do that, and it would. Oh, yeah. Just... Or if you like, sometimes you could type the two times in a row, and like because of the human mm-hmm. mind, when they read it, they'll just skip over the second oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. Try to get away with that a couple times. Yeah, people they skip over the the. All the time. If I ever go back to college, <laughs> I'm going to submit a paper with the margins such that each letter is just above and below the, sec- <laughs> the next letter. So just a long column of single letters down the it, over the cro- over the course of like 800 pages. So you're going to go back and to college just to get thrown out, right? And then <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'd like that. If you no. were really fancy, you would type like in the introductory portion of it with white ink if it was like a word count yeah. one so that way if the teacher when they pull up the word count they see it's a thousand words but really yeah. you only did six like yeah. 700 and 300 of them are in white blending in with the background you are uh, a disaster as they, a human being they caught yeah. on, I don't know, uh, at north dakota state but at the u they cracked down oh, on that yeah. really hard yes. was, they did. yeah because there was some moron out there made some software that now yep. you know if teachers yeah. can input mm-hmm. you have to email your papers yeah and it has to be a pdf and oh, they can really? they can put it through a scanner and it it does all of that plus it'll be like if there's any sentence that matches yeah. up with yeah. something with, online yeah, that's plagiarized, plagiarized oh, and, yeah really and yeah they'll throw you out that oh yeah you right out yeah st thomas basically said yeah 
if you try any tricks with your paper, you're gone. Yep. Really? And I was like, yeah. okay. So there'll be none of that. <laughs> so remember, senior papers, uh, <laughs> minimum for a senior paper was 25 pages. Yeah. And, uh, what? That's insane. <laughs> Some idiot, though, I cannot believe he asked on the introductory day, syllabus day. He's like, is Wikipedia considered a good source? And I was like, oh, dude. That's another thing they said is they constantly said, don't use Wikipedia. It's like the one place they would not <laughs> let you source from is Wikipedia. Well, because it's all made up. Right. I don't well, want... anyone can type anything they want as long as they source it, but that source can be something uh, crappy that yeah. isn't like... And I know on Wikipedia at one point I was like the 2002 champion of like the Madden tournament in the cross nation. Yeah, like one of my friends got bored one day and put me on Wikipedia. It's very impressive. So I was like... Wikipedia is the best thing ever. Anyone in the world can write anything they want about any subject. So you know you are getting the best possible information. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, if you go to any sort, anything even That's remotely wonderful. political, it's going to be just edit wars and people... The, the page will definitely push a view very hard. Because people just sit there waiting for other people to edit it, and they instantly go in and yep. remove those edits. They Wiki- just—it's sad. Does Wikipedia still beg for money every time you open yep. a page? Yeah, I've been they on do Wikipedia a lot of in a million years. Well, I, maybe they should do something about the fact that every—I uh, don't know—admin. I don't know what they have, but every higher up at Wikipedia is a obsessive, compulsive freak. And that's why no one likes to do it anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I used to check out Wikipedia once in a while, but then I thought, eh, none of this stuff is even real. Yeah, that's yeah, way too easy to put information that's wrong up there. You have to, you have to really know, um, like, you already have to know something about the subject so you know that right. whether or not it's true or not, which kind of makes it not that useful. I suppose. We shall be right back in a couple of seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Who you got coming up on your show? Uh, I don't know. We just had, uh, oh we had the dead God, baby. We had the dead baby photographer on last week, and we had a uh, Wisconsin rural cop deputy sheriff. How do you well. find these people? I, they just like to talk about themselves. I guess so. friends of friends. That they all run in the same circle. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan, and now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, May 21st, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I lost over 40 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth Dinner on May 21st. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. 
This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget, we're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show, our special guest. Doctor, how are you today? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Now, do you pronounce your last name Baucom or Bausham? <laughs> well, Baucom. That's Baucom? You're there. <laughs> yes. It's pronounced Baucom. Yes. Is, that a, is that a French name? You know, um, I've heard different stories. Uh, I, the, the latest I can tell from somebody who was actually from kind of that area was it's from Alsace-Lorraine. So, uh, oh. it was, it's, yeah, it kind of drifted through Germany and then came to the United States. So we're not quite sure. Not uh, close enough, though. That's right. That's not a problem. So it's you pronounce your last name Bauckham. 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 Yeah, it's like all and then come. Bauckham. I like it. There you go. Uh, the immutable laws of living, the inspirational blueprint to living your meaningful life. God, if anybody needs to read this book on earth, it's me. Believe me. <laughs> I hope that everybody needs to read that book. <laughs> well, that's true. Yes, you hope everybody needs to read this book. You're right. yes. But the other side of it is that I hope that nobody needs to prolong. You know, because once you work through it, you, you discover where you're getting yourself stuck. You know, I go through days that are kind of interesting. I, I go through days when I, I say, you know, I'd like to just live my day, live my life for the next 24 hours and not think about all this stuff. And then there are some days I'm just stuck in the future. Some days I'm stuck in the past. What's that all about? It's just the human brain not working all that well, or what's you know, So you think about that when you're stuck in the future, you're stuck in the you know the maybe possible future. There's, yes. You're, you're, so it's not actually the future. It's just your right. imagination going right. wild and, and being anxious. And when you're stuck in the past, you're really not stuck in the true past. You're you're stuck in your pieces of the past that you recall, which is not a perfect piece. And so yes. That's part of that human thing that our, our brain does called thought. And uh, both of those tend to draw us away from a much more important time, which is now. And, and that's, that's the thing. You know, it, it, yes, we do get drawn to the past. And yes, we get uh, suckered into the anxiety of the future, uh, neither of which we have too much control over. We, we don't control, have control over what's already right. happened. We have to let that go. And so then we're stuck with this place of deciding what it is we have to control. And that's, that's not that past or the future. I like it. Anyone struggling or feeling stuck in life is breaking at least one of these laws. Just like gravity, these laws affect every person, whether that person understands them or not. Instead of breaking the laws, even without realizing it, readers discover how to obey the laws. They learn how to get unstuck, find success without chasing it, and finally obtain peace. Now, what, what's amazing, Doctor, is that I live a wonderful life, uh, very successful shows. This show does very well, and I have a wonderful wife and wonderful kids and great friends. But I still have days when it's like, oh, God, you know, 
I, I, I like the number one, uh, the immutable laws of living helps readers understand why life isn't fair and yeah. why that is not the problem. Right. Why, why isn't that the problem? Yeah. Well, because if we keep waiting for that, it'll never come. Um, yeah. Fairness is one of those, it, it comes from our childhood. Um, we all, it's just kind of a natural state of development that kids think that things should be fair. And, and you mm-hmm. watch kids stomp around wanting things to be fair. Uh, and that is just not the case that life is fair. And, and from a child's perspective, you think it should be. As you grow older, you know that that's not the case, but you still want it. And the sad thing about that is, you know, for anybody who is able to listen to your show, um, it's not fair. They've already won. You know, we're, we're at the top level of kind of in the world, and so life's not fair. But, you know, we sometimes lose the fact that generally we've already won just by the fact that we're here, I think, is a win. Uh, by the fact that we're in uh, where we are in, in our world right. is a win. And so we, when we start doing that life's not fair, what I don't often hear people is to say, you know, I've life's more than fair to me. They're always going, life's not fair, I'm not getting what I deserve. And that leaves us at that place of feeling uh, like it's things are scarce. And so the problem with fair is that there's no way to apply it. Um, so that's, that's the problem. When we get stuck into wishing it was fair, we're trapped into a concept that's just not true. It's, it's never been true. Uh, we've just pretended it was in our younger years. It's amazing to me, Doctor. I just had a conversation with my, my lawyer last week because That's I... They're always fun, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You know, it all works <laughs> out in the end. But I was talking to him about the fact that, that every time I run into a legal problem, and this, this is all, nearly 100% true, every time I get sued or run into a, a problem, a legal problem, I tried to help someone, and it turns out I didn't help them enough yeah. to please them. Yeah. So I don't want to get away from trying to help people, but again, every time I try to help somebody, I pay a huge price for it, and I don't know what that's all about. Well, and part of that is that the other people are not feeling like they got you know, their fair share. They're playing that game. Right. But they're also playing another piece. Uh, one of my other rules is about responsibility. Yes. And um, that's the, the, you're, when you're dealing with somebody who's upset that you didn't help them enough, one of the rules that they're breaking is that I, my, my belief is the rule is your life is your responsibility. And they're right. trying to shift that onto making you responsible for their life. It's just, it makes no sense to me. It's like this person was, if somebody tried to help me out, I would say, look how nice this is. They, they're, they're stepping up to help me out uh, in this situation, and I really appreciate that, and I'll do everything I can to help them help me. But instead of people helping you help them, they decide, well, you know, he's, he's helping, but he's really not making a full effort here. So I really resent that. And people yeah. are very, I, I guess I'm getting a little off topic here, doctor, but we're trying to understand this. And maybe, you know, after, after looking at the immutable laws of living, the inspirational blueprint to, to living your meaningful life, why are we in a period right now where unless you agree with everything I say, I hate you and I will try to destroy you. What is yeah. that all about? Yeah, and, and part of that for me is the limited uh, perspective that all of us have. Yeah. The problem is that we we believe, you know, we have this sneaking suspicion that we're the one with the right perspective. Yes. And so we like to look at somebody else and say, oh, well, they're seeing it from the wrong view. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, you know, kind of accepting that we're all seeing things from a different view. We, we have a different paradigm of viewing it. 
and then we have to make everybody else's wrong, uh, which is where we really get into trouble. We, you know, we have to negate somebody else's in order for ours to be right. Everybody right. else has to be wrong. And I tend to think that the real issue is that we have a limited perspective. And what would be better than maybe learning how other people view? Right? The threat is that we believe if we listen to somebody else's perspective, we have to agree with it. And my belief is that you can work from a different place. When I'm working with married couples, one of the things I'm helping them recognize is you can understand where your spouse is coming from without agreeing with where they're coming from. You can understand that. And that's what a lot of us really deeply want. We want to be understood. Uh, I don't need somebody to agree with me, but I would like for somebody to listen long enough to understand why I see it that way. And and I think that we've gotten into a place where uh, in culture we – don't want to listen. We're, we're almost afraid that our perspective is going to be at risk if we listen at all. Yeah, yeah. That well, makes, that's why yeah. that's why we want to ban people from speaking when they are saying things that we don't agree with. It's like, oh well, uh, if that viewpoint spreads, then you know my viewpoint might be threatened, and we can't have that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We cannot. That's absolutely true. And that's why we're cutting Doctor Baucom off. Can't can't have any opposing views. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Malcolm, yeah, I, 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 well, no, a thrivologist, is it, uh, you're a thrivologist, correct? Yeah, so, uh, in fact, I, I'm the world's first thrivologist. Well, so I, I was that wondering, yes. I'm, yeah, I made up the term. Yes, because <laughs> so, you made up the term. It's just a perfect way of being the, the first one. There are other people who said, oh, yeah, I do thrivology, but, uh, you know, I took the, the idea that we needed a, a method. Tom Bernardo with that makes complete sense. I, uh, you know, I got to be honest with you, doctor. And maybe I'm, maybe there are other people like me. Maybe there aren't. But I, uh, I've been married now for 33 years, and um, it'll be 34 years in July. And I still can't, on a daily basis, understand why she married me in the first place. So is that a healthy position to be in? <laughs> well, I give you some humility. Uh, <laughs> it does give me humility. Yes, it does. The, the problem comes when you go the other way and, and you, you keep thinking, why did I marry that person? That's when you're in trouble. But as long as yes. you're going, wow, I feel so thankful uh, that I got this person on my side, that's a good place to be. You know, she's just she's an amazing woman in that she's very, very strong. She's a very tough woman. She's beautiful. The whole deal got a great personality. She's got a she's, I, I, she's a wonderful sense of humor. I don't know how this happened. I really have no idea. That's where you count your blessings, right? I guess so. So I, that, I need to focus on that. And we have our, matter of fact, that was my son, our son, Andy, that was just talking to you there. And our daughter works on the show, too. Um, we have great kids, got the great family, got, I mean, everything's working really, really well. So I just, uh, maybe I'm a thrivologist and I didn't even know it. Yeah, I believe that there are sometimes that people just are naturally thrivers. You know, I, I really don't think that it, that we're all just kind of stuck. That there are plenty of people who naturally thrive, but I also know that a lot of people kind of get stuck in survival mode, and that's where our brain can often take us, which, which is a great thing because you you got to survive first. But there's that extra step that a lot of us do miss on how to move it to thriving rather than just doing the surviving. That makes sense. Tell me about your podcast. You you do a couple of podcasts. I do. Uh, so my Thrivology podcast um, is really just kind of a, a, a compendium of, of how to help people thrive. I, I do uh, various uh, series and then individual 
uh, talks about, and, and usually I aim for about a 15 to 20 minute talk because that's about the time that people have for a commute or a workout or a yeah, walk. And, yep. uh, so that's trying to get those nuggets in of how to build your thriving life. My other is about, um, it, it's for people who are trying to save their marriage. Another way of saying that is how they're, they're trying to build a thriving marriage. And it's the same kind of thing. I do 15 to 20 minutes. It's basically a, um, here's some starting points uh, to, to work on your relationship, no matter where it is. But a lot of times people will listen and tell me that you know, they haven't, gotten into trouble yet but i'm keeping them out of trouble because there are just some common pieces of how we get into trouble and stay out of trouble that are across all relationships and so those podcasts are designed really just to build a thriving life whether it's just in life in general or life in marriage do you think we'll ever get to a point where a lot of people at least the the greater number of people will be interested in helping others thrive rather than listen to what I say and believe what I believe or I can't stand you, get away from me. I mean, do you think we'll, we'll ever get to the point where we'll be helpful to one another? At least the, the bigger number of us, the greater number of us will, will try to help people get along and live a better life and thrive in life. Yeah, one of the things that I've, I've realized is that um, most people at their core self want to be helpful. Good. The problem is that a lot of times our helpful is locked into a certain perspective. You know, there are plenty of people who are only willing to be helpful if they get a win out of it. Right. But we all find, and this is this is probably the the biggest piece that I've realized that when we're chasing happiness, you know, people are trying to do whatever they can to get ahead. They find it very elusive. And when we step back and say, "How can I be?" of difference in the world? How can I you know, build, live out my purpose and build more meaning into my life, and how do I make an impact in the world? That's when happiness kind of sneaks up behind people. Um, they find joy and contentment in that. And so what I believe will happen over time is that more and more people will go, hey, let me try this, because chasing happiness hasn't worked real well. Right. And right. once we exhaust that, maybe we decide something else, which is maybe chasing after making a positive impact, and that's when the tide changes. As long as we're in a culture that's trying to shortcut our way to happiness, we're constantly going to be taking advantage of each other because that's how we do it. You know, something has to happen. For, I've got to win, and I've got to usually win over somebody else in order yeah. to, to be happy. Do you? Did you have great parents? I had wonderful parents. Yeah, uh, there yeah, you they, go. That makes you know, total they, sense. They gave me a great perspective. And, you know, that's one of the things that we're often working against uh, is people who had not such great parenting yep. have a hard time trusting the world. And part of the time, they're looking for evidence to prove them right that the world's out to you know, mess them over. And so when we can step back and say, you know what, maybe I just maybe just trust a little bit. We're usually surprised that the world responds that way. There are always going to be people out there that burn us. Yeah. Uh, but, yep. you know, most people don't. The majority of people around us are uh, wanting the best for themselves and for other people, and, and we sometimes kind of limp along because of that childhood. But I, I do think we can overcome that. Yeah, don't get into radio because most of the people <laughs> – no, I'm just <laughs> – Doctor, thank you so much for your time. I love your message. I love the fact you're trying to help people. You could tell that uh, your parents had a lot of character and passed it along to you. Uh, and we will tune into the Thriveology podcast and, and, and listen to what you have to say and certainly read the book, The Immutable Laws of Living, The Inspirational Blueprint of Living Your Meaningful Life. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. I'm having no, a better day you. just be, from talking to you. Well, great. That's what we want. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. you too. The rest of you have a wonderful day as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.